I'm thinking about it. Um, I'm going to start in the middle um, to kind of give you a better, a better sense of what I feel God is putting on my heart and teaching me about himself. Um, so I, I think that'll um, help capture what God's been doing uh, with me and through me and for me. Um, so uh, that takes me to Bo's comments about the original invitation to speak um, when I said no, and I had three really good reasons to say no, um, and I want to share those with you, and in full disclosure and being vulnerable, I, I really admire when people come up here and share from their heart and are really vulnerable. Um, I feel like I, I hear better in those moments, so um, I was going to try to do that myself. So uh, let, me, let me share with you those excuses that I had. So Bo, when he asked me, I, I did consider it um, pretty faithfully and prayed about it and spent a week like, do I really have anything that I could share for more than five minutes? Um, and I, I came to the no conclusion based on a couple things. One was um, hearing Andy speak about rest and his sabbatical, and um, what I want to share is about rest too, and I'm thinking, you know, people don't want to hear that. Um, two people talking about rest, and you know, that, that I could wear that topic out. Um, so that was number one. Number two was I had just heard, I missed Nate's fresh bread. Um, so I listened to that that week, and it was full of life-giving truth and vulnerability and scripture and um, just unwrapping what God's heart is for us and for his people. And it was 42 minutes long. And I'm thinking, <laughs> there is no way I can do anything like that. So that's number two. Um, so I know, like, I, I, I think, um, you know, for some people, they come here on a Sunday or any church, and they're expecting to um, hear something that connects to them or speaks to them personally or unwraps the scriptures in a new and insightful way. Um, and they, they leave with, with a new sense of who God is and who they are in Christ. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I can do that. And um, I got flashbacks to when I grew up in church and I heard, um, I, got, I walked in and it, I found out it was going to be the Sunday where everybody's favorite hymns were sung. And that's all we did was sing hymns. And there was no preaching and I, I said, why am I here today? Or the time when I would come to church and it was right after v vacation Bible school and the whole um, was led by the kids and they sung their VBS songs and then the rest of the service was their drama performance of VBS. And I walked away thinking, what, you know, what, what did I, why did I come? And I'm thinking there's going to be a handful of people here who step in today and see, you know, someone who's not a preacher sharing and thinking, you know, I could be watching Jordan Spieth or Tiger Woods tee off <laughs> in the British Open with 10 other people in contention. That would, that would have been a much better way to spend my time. So, um, and, then I, and then I had another excuse, which was um, hearing a podcast of a family friend who's a pastor speaking about leadership and how people are more prone to want to follow people who have gone through it themselves and they're not going to, um, they do better when they invite people to do what they've done. And I'm not through this uh, um, walk yet with um, hearing from God, and um, there's no conclusion I'm going to give today because I'm still working through this. And I didn't want to invite people to learn about rest when I haven't fulfilled 
had the fulfillment of that quite yet. Um, so I had those three things in mind when I said no to Bo. Um, and then uh, an innocent question from Nate came, like, how's your summer going? And I, I shared with him and um, happened to mention what I thought, how God was working um, this summer. And he said, you know, I really think uh, people need to hear what you have to say. And I was, you know, um, thinking, well, Bo already asked me. I said, no. If I say yes to you, how's Bo going to feel? <laughs> and I didn't want to hurt Bo's feelings. So I thought that would have been another good reason not to be standing up here. Um, but here I am, so I want to share how did I end up here um, and what's my fresh bread. Um, so I'm going to start with the scripture that I think was, um, that I'm really learning from. And it's from Matthew 11. You got that up there? Yeah. So I put the bold underlined parts because that's what I want to talk about. Come to me, all who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, so a lot of us have heard that. I've heard that dozens of times. Um, but God's given me a new sense of what he was speaking about um, when he shared that. And I was also feeling like I was taking the rest part because um, uh, I have a natural pattern and rhythm in my life where I get a big chunk of rest in my year. And I thought that was it. I got the rest and I was taking it from the schedule of rest and not God's definition of rest. Um, so I was, um, what I'm doing this summer is I'm learning to go to him and learn from him so that I can get God's rest and not simply my scheduled rest. So um, another uh, impactful thing that I did this summer, or I'm doing, I'm not done, um, is reading a book called um, uh, not, God, uh, not God Enough, um, how Your Small God Can Lead to Big Problems is by J.D. Greer. Um, and what it does, it, it does a really good job of um, letting us know that we tend to, as humans, put, uh, bring God down to the way we can explain him and understand him. And it really um, kind of messes up our um, understanding of things that we can't explain, um, things that hurt us or... Um, alienate us or make us feel lonely and wonder, like, God doesn't want that for us, so why is he doing that? And we try to explain that in a way that we can understand. And so it, uh, this book does a good job of um, putting us back kind of in our place and showing uh, God's power and authority and glory and, and who he really is and who we really are. And so in thinking about speaking today, I thought, you know, what I've been doing is uh, thinking about, you know, what, are, what am I going to be able to do and I'm not going to be able to do enough or share enough uh, meaningful, um, uh, you know, story, personal story. Um, and what I heard God saying was, I'm enough. Don't worry about what you can do or can't do, but what I can do. So that's, I think, why I'm not nervous. Um, so that book has been really kind of helpful in um, and it's something that I don't tend to do. Um, I usually will kind of veg out and want to read some kind of brainless 
uh, fiction to kind of get my mind off work and life and stress. And so going to a, a book that's helping me spiritually is kind of a new thing for me. Um, and it's been helpful. And I, I got it from a, uh, I, I follow one professional athlete on Twitter, and it's Daniel Norris, who pitches for the Tigers. And I'm just fascinated by him because he's a professional athlete, um, and he lives in a van. And he follows Jesus. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. So I, he's the only one I follow. So he recommended that book on Twitter, and I picked it up, and that's how I'm reading it. So I want to give you a little bit of background for my, um, what I do. I don't know how the light is in here, but um, you may be able to tell that I don't work in an office, and I'm outside a lot. So I'm a school social worker. I'm in education, in public education. Um, and my mandated job, and what I signed up for, was um, that there are, schools are required to uh, provide a free and appropriate education to everybody. Believe it or not, not every student fits in a box where they can get by with, um, you know, their parents and their teacher. And there's a lot of kids who um, require some creative support to help them learn. And my, my specific job is to be on evaluation teams for students with autism or emotional impairment and um, so, um, or any student with uh, behavior needs that, can, that come from a disability. And part of my job is to be on a team to determine um, does that student meet the criteria of a disability and what support do they need? And my job is to help um, kind of design a, a, a program for them in the school, come up with the right kind of support, help the parents, help the teachers, help the other kids, um, and provide the best, most appropriate um, uh, education plan for, for, for students. So, um, originally I was in three schools uh, because um, I could do that in three schools, but I think around the time uh, of the housing bubble and the economy um, tanking, um, things got really tough for a lot of people and a lot of families. And uh, my district specifically consolidated from 11 to 8 schools. We were getting families that were coming from uh, tougher situations. Um, and now um, my district saw a need to have a social worker in every elementary building. And so now I'm in one school. Um, but that also changed and shifted tremendously what uh, my job was. And um, social work, um, school social work is kind of at the bottom of the list. And a better way to describe what I do is more uh, similar to what an assistant principal would be doing. I'm involved in a lot of discipline. Um, decisions and a lot of um, school-wide support uh, to help the um, kind of the school run as, as efficiently as, as possible and help take some burdens off teachers for students who are in conflict and are you know disruptive or having a hard time focusing or are highly anxious. Um, so um, it's common for me to have a line of students out my door, especially after recess, um, trying to sort out what happened, who was at fault, um, who contributed to what, calling the parents, finding out if there was an injury. Uh, it takes up a lot of time. Um, and that's not all. 
So some of the more gritty details of what I do. Um, uh, here's, here's just some of them um, that happen frequently throughout the year uh, is um, hostile, st- students hostile with each other or parents uh, hostile with their, with the school. I field calls from families who are homeless and hungry. Um, I see a lot of situations where um, abuse is present or has been present. I'm seeing a lot more uh, students coming from a situation where, tra- where there's trauma. Um, I can remember this school year where uh, in a span of 10 days, we got uh, six students enroll who were uh, moved to a family member's home because they were getting them out of an abusive situation. And I read a file of two of those students who were siblings. It was 13 pages long of the abuse that they had endured um, when they were in their home. Um, there's also a lot of domestic uh, violence situations. Um, I have had groups of students, um, like therapy groups, that meet for students whose parents have overdosed. Um, I teach, uh, I do trainings for teachers to deal with um, physically aggressive students who, um, where it's common where they may kick, punch, spit, bite uh, their teachers and helping them manage that, and it's happened to me as well. Um, I had a student this year who I tried to help him process um, and work through a triple murder of family members at the hands of um, an aunt's boyfriend. Um, and then in the last six weeks of school this past year, um, this isn't you know, an exaggeration or embellishment, but pretty much every day I would get a knock on the door, a phone call, or... Um, you know, uh, from a student, a teacher, a parent, who said that, um, you know, so-and-so said they wanted to die or end their life. And what do I do? Or what should we do? Or can you call the parent? Um, This was every day. Um, And typically what will happen is I'll, you know, put that up to a a poor way they haven't really learned how to communicate their anger and their frustration, their anxiety, um, and they just don't have the words, and that's kind of what they'll say. However, this year I was called to a school in our district um, because that really did happen to a nine-year-old. Um, so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I, this has to be taken seriously, and, it's, um, and it, it's not something that I can overlook or think I understand why they're saying that because there could be some really real hurt and there could be some real intention behind what they're saying. So I had to take it seriously. Um, and I'm often on speed dial from my director to um, respond district-wide to, um, uh, for a grief support or grief counseling in the school. And in, um, annually there could be a situation where it was because of suicide. Um, so it's not just in my school, it's, you know, I'm supporting the entire district. Um, and then, um, you know, I've had students witness it from a sibling um, in my school. So it, it, it's pretty, it can be uh, pretty overbearing where I'm feeling the pressures of, you know, helping these families in these desperate situations and these helping these students who can't explain why things are happening. Um, 
and want to know, and I don't have the answer, and often feel like I've got to be the one to figure that out. So, I'm sharing this to, um, so I've been doing this 17 years in the same district, and it, it's becoming easier and easier for me to compartmentalize things. I don't, I'm not the type, of, I'm, I have a, um, an ability to, you know, keep it at work. I don't take things home, and um, in some ways that's good, in some ways that's makes it harder because it makes me more cynical and um, I find myself just going through the motions and counting down days to, you know, when, when am I going to get a break? Um, and, but, but what it does is the stress of the job forces me to go to God. In my relationship with God, there's a lot of communication um, and I bring God into the heavy moments and the valleys and the dark parts of my job because I, I don't think I can do it alone. So um, it's a natural rhythm to pray every day for uh, the things that I have to see and support and go through um, and bear for others. Um, so, you know, my, my typical prayer involves like praying for a peaceful day, um, having God um, come through in those dark spiritual battles that I see, um, helping me, asking him for patience and um, when I do get interrupted and there is a line at my door or um, having, um, within a span of a minute, having four kids brought to me to try to sort out which one is the most serious situation that I need to deal with um, and having patience so that I don't... Um, like my nonverbal reaction to somebody being brought to me isn't doesn't look like why are you here or not this again or you know I, I um, I'm quick to recognize that and pray for that and God sustained me through that but when I get to June I'm ready to check out and it's really easy to check out and it's almost like I'm saying see you in September God because I just want to coast through the next three months so I can rejuvenate and refresh and get ready for the next school year. Um, and I, I know what I'm doing is definitely a mission, um, but then I feel like, you know, what, you know I, need, I need something too. So that's kind of how I look at um, the 11 weeks between um, the end of the school year and the start of the school year. So to mark this occasion, um, this is the first day in like 47 days that I've worn long pants, and this is the first day not on a golf course that I'm wearing socks in 47 days. So it, um, you can kind of see the contrast there of um, when I get to summer, I'm ready, I'm ready for me time. I'm ready to have fun with my kids. I'm ready to relax, enjoy time with friends. Um, and it's really easy for me to, you know, I don't need God because it's such a calming thing for me to be part of that, to have that summer break and that time off of people constantly asking me for something. Um, so, um, but after 17 years of this, um, what I was noticing was that um, I can easily grasp that I'll give you rest part, but what I was missing out on was 
um, coming to Jesus and learning from him. So that's kind of what I've been trying to do this summer uh, and finding out, you know, asking God, what can I do differently to have true rest and the kind of rest that you talk about um, that's from you and that will lead to abundant life um, because I think I'm kind of missing out on that. And I was sometimes feeling a little guilty because I would check out and, um, and know that I was, you know, not continuing to worship and go to God when I didn't need him. And I thought, I thought about that song, you know, when, um, when life's all that it should be, still I'll praise you. And um, because it's really easy for me when the darkness closes in, uh, it's easy for me to say, blessed be your name and, and worship. Um, but when I know that I don't have to wake up to, you know, a day like I described, then it, I wouldn't even think about, you know, worshiping God and praying. So I've been trying to do that, and, I'm, and, and what I'm excited for is what's going to come out of it. Um, so um, when I'm in this pattern of peace, I'm in the middle of it right now. I actually didn't, I haven't counted down to when I start. Um, but I, I joke around about August, which is approaching, being the Friday of summer. So I start getting a little bit anxious when August rolls around. Um, so I've got a picture here. Um, did it work? This is what some people might call vacation, um, but I call it Wednesday. So this is a typical Wednesday, watching my kids in the morning um, at swim practice, and then um, hanging out either at a lake or somebody's house or taking my kids somewhere enjoyable and just forgetting about the stress of the school year. So um, you can see how easy it is for me to just escape. Um, all right, so what I was noticing was that spiritually I was, um, even though I had this to do every day, this was my agenda and my schedule, I was beginning to feel a little bit spiritually unfulfilled. Um, and I knew God was pursuing me and wanting me to experience his joy, um, his joy, not joy manufactured by these activities, which is joyful, enjoyable, uh, but it wasn't his joy. Um, and I knew there was more to it. So what I've learned is it doesn't, um, missing out on worshiping him in my time of rest doesn't... Um, it doesn't change my approach to the school year, and I know um, the school year is just going to be the same. So I'm trying to kind of mentally avoid that as much as possible, and unfortunately, avoiding that meant, you know, being in prayer and, um, check, and checking out. So God, I heard God saying, you know, what I want you to do is check out, you know, what did my people do when they, um, when I brought them through darkness and heaviness? And one of those was in Exodus. So I, I heard God uh, asking me to read through Exodus and looking for personal ways to relate to the Israelites when they were brought out of um, slavery. So I've been reading through Exodus and experiencing it in a, in a whole new way. 
and um, reading through how God was very clear with Moses in speaking directly to him and showing the Israelites by um, helping them avoid the plagues, um, leading them through the Red Sea, um, providing food out of nowhere in the desert, giving them a pillar of fire to, walk, to follow during the night and a pillar of smoke to follow during the day. And how much more clear can God communicate and be um, for them and what, and, and what happened? So God called Moses to um, Sinai to give him the instructions for how he wanted to lead his people and who God wanted to be um, to his people and communicate that. And as he was on the mountain, not... Uh, um, Less than 40 days, uh, the Israelites started getting nervous because they hadn't heard from God or Moses and said to his brother, build us a golden calf. Um, And I used to think that was um, a golden calf for some other God, but what they were asking for was, um, we want to worship something and we need a representation to worship, so make us a golden calf so we can worship God. They wanted to worship God. They didn't know how. Um, so they asked for this calf. And I'm thinking, you know, um, how common is it for me or anybody really to um, have something they need to worship? And if we're not worshiping God, we are worshiping something. Um, and what is that? And for me, it was just... Um, a non-stressful, restful, enjoyable break Um, because I wasn't going to God and I wasn't worshiping God. I was worshiping my time off because that was for me and that's what I wanted and that's what I thought I needed to sustain me for another school year. Um, So in Exodus, um, I don't know if I have that, do I? Um, so in Exodus, God had, um, shown me that, um, you know, I'm not, if I'm not worshiping him, I'm worshiping something else, and he's revealing to me what, what I have been worshiping. So I also, um, had, um, wanted to look into the New Testament, because, um, that's where Jesus is saying, come to me and learn from me so that I can give you true rest. And I found a bunch of verses in Mark. Um, I think I have those. Um, So I didn't write those down, so I'll read them. Mark, uh, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Uh, Mark 3, 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd followed um, from Galilee followed. And then a couple more. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and, uh, and other boats were with him. And then two more. Um, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And then after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. So all of those moments, um, Jesus was burdened by the crowd, burdened by so many people coming to him asking for healing or renewal um, uh, or peace or hope. And he felt the pressure of that. And I'm 
I'm seeing that reflected in my work. And um, Jesus uh, went straight to the Father in all of those moments. And what was what I found is immediately after every one of those verses, immediately, was when, um, after he prayed, was when um, Jesus healed the leper, he drove out demons, uh, the disciples fed the 5,000, he calmed the storm, and he walked on water. So I'm not saying that um, me praying is a prescription for some miracle happening in the next school year, um, but what I'm seeing is that true rest with God um, can bring um, healing and peace and providing me with um, ways that I couldn't even imagine to, to help, help these kids. So um, Jesus knew the only way to get strength from, that, from the crowds um, and what I need is God's invitation to go to him and, and speak with him um, and have a relationship with him. Um, and I, I think God is, um, in, this, in this season of mine, inviting me uh, to hear his voice and to pray and um, uh, read, read books that reveal his character, uh, his authority, his love, uh, so that I can experience him in, in true rest in a new way. And I think he's inviting all of us um, to go to him when we, when we have a moment of rest. Instead of just checking out and thinking that that weekend or that five o'clock drive home is our invitation to just escape. Um, So another thing that I do is um, I'm engaged, and a lot of people have referenced it, and it's a devotion online. It's called First 15, and I'm engaged in that every day because it sets up a pattern of um, there's, a, there's a topic, and it breaks it apart, and there's a worship song, and there's guided prayer. And it, it helps me kind of um, have that time each day with God. Um, so what I what was amazing in, in all of this, kind of wrapping, wrapping it up together, was that in that Not Got Enough book, um, he references Moses throughout the book, and it's helping me in my, when I'm reading Exodus to really experience that in a different way. Um, and it's helping me see that um, simple rest is not enough, and that rest with Jesus and, and that relationship with him is getting me true rest. Um, and so, um, I wanna, what I want to do is close with a prayer that I kind of reworded into a prayer from the first 15 devotional, and I think this is for all of us. So, I want to I close in prayer. Thank you, God, for your perfect plans and grace for everything you've given us. We know it's often in rest that we are refueled and made ready to receive your grace to accomplish our tasks. It's in rest that our souls are restored, replenished, and filled. And it's in rest that we are able to take time to be thankful and celebrate what you have helped us accomplish, rather than always bearing the burden of the never-ending lists of tasks before us. During our rest and Sabbath, give, us, give to us moments of rest so we can find joy and satisfaction in you, so that we can work with proper perspective in your, joy, in your strength rather than our own. We confess at times we have forsaken rest and we receive your forgiveness. 
God, fill those who are burdened with a fresh vision for your purposes behind rest. Show us what a lifestyle of taking the Sabbath looks like for each, for each of us individually, and show us how to rest in you right now, how to replenish and rejuvenate with, in your presence. We acknowledge that we were created for worship and believe that until we recognize that all we do is done as worship to you, we won't experience the fullness of peace, joy, and purpose available to us in Christ. We thank you that rest, fun, work, friends, family, and church will be filled with joy when we love you and allow you to love us. Not only are you a God that's in the struggle and pain of life with us, but you're also in fun, rest, and our and activities. You have the absolute most abundant and joyful life in store for us if we will love you first and foremost. May we experience a deeper relationship with you today and love you as you've loved us. Amen.